Hey guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and that is Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the most premium, high-quality, science-backed products on the market in Australia today, and you guys can use the code TFLP to save 10% off your next order at unifyactive.com. Unify has a range of products, including whey protein isolate, plant-based protein, a pre-workout, creatine monohydrate, and their best-selling product, the Hydration Formula. So again, use that code TFLP to save 10% at unifyactive.com. Hey, my name is Robbie Ball and I build brands for a living and welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Robbie, welcome to the show, brother. It's a pleasure to have you back in. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm a bit of a veteran on this podcast now. You are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, when I'm busy, I might even just throw you in as a host at some point. <laughs> um, but how you been, brother? How's the last, it's probably been about 12 months since we had you on. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild year, mm. like every year, I guess, when you yeah. get to this point. Um, but yeah, we've just come off... Uh, Black Friday campaign. Mm. November is always the busiest time of the year uh, in our world. November, December. So yeah, we're right in the thick of right in the thick of it at the moment. Yeah, you're you're someone who I often reach out to for advice when it comes to anything to do with e-commerce and just business and your the way you think. I, I like the way you think. Right, you're very much like a a business minded person. I think that's quite obvious, and we've spoken about that in previous episodes. At the moment, you're, I would assume you've got your, your plates pretty full with Athletic and, and Runley. Yeah. How are you kind of like spreading your time out between the two at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think for most of my professional career, uh, I've balanced more than one thing. Mm. Um, you know, like yourself, you're spinning many plates. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you more than anyone know the challenges of it. You know, I think... There's a there's a skill um, in being able to shift your focus, and that's not easy. And mm. you know, I don't think you ever perfect it. Um, the reality is that you you're going to, you know, I, I wouldn't say drop the ball, but some things are going to lag at times. Yeah. Um, but it's knowing when you have to pick those things up again. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a balance in managing your time. Um, I think the big one you know, in business is managing your mental capacity because, you know, even the drive over here, um, that's an opportunity for me just to be thinking about things. Mm. Um, just kind of having that opportunity just to mull over decisions that you've got to make, um, you know, sort of things that are coming up that I can think, oh, yeah, that would connect with that, that will work with that. Um, so, yeah, it, balancing your mental capacity in terms of what you think about how you strategize things as well. Mm. it's an interesting one like I had a, a client I was chatting with this week and um, this guy in particular is about to go through a bit of a shift with like where his focus is going to be career-wise right like mm -hmm. he's he's been doing this one thing for a certain period of time he's about to shift into this new phase and he's super excited and we've been putting a lot of time and stuff into focusing on that future self but then he in our call this week he was like man I just feel like I'm not feel like I'm not productive and I'm not getting these dopamine responses. I feel like I'm just kind of just 
flat, like just very neutral at the moment. Yeah. And it was interesting because I want to hear your opinion on this. The big shift that we made this this week after that call was coming back to going like, all right, even though your focus is on what's coming up. And so in, in our case, it might be like trying to build a new brand or mm -hmm. build a, a new project or whatever. But you've also still got the other shit you need to do day in, day out. Totally. Which is still important, right? And sometimes it can feel like you're not productive whatsoever, even though you've just had a day where you've, you know, ticked off a number of different things. But when your mindset is elsewhere, yeah. it feels like you're not kind of in it and you're not present. So the shift we made was literally like, all right, come back to every single morning, setting the intention of what you're trying to achieve out of that day with this current task, even though we have the other shit that we're working towards, like what are we actually present in right now? And that was a big shift for him. Like he you know, ended up feeling like a lot more productive every day, but it was purely because the focus was on the other project, not what you're doing like right now. So how do you balance that when, you know, for example, you might be working um, in the business or on the business of Athletican, but at the same time you've got ideas about Runly and things that you want to do. How do you keep yourself present with the task at hand? Yeah, I mean, okay, look, so for me, and this is something I've actually been thinking about recently is uh, I, I work best in cycles. Mm -hmm. So... What I mean by that is like, I'm definitely a creature of routine, yeah. which I think is important for everyone just to have, doesn't have to be, you know, a really elaborate routine, but just something, you know, you, you have your non-negotiables, right? Mm -hmm. um, for me, like I set my alarm 5.45 every day. It's just a recurring alarm, Monday to Friday. It does not change. I do not get up any other time other than that. Um, and that sets me up. So I get up, you know, have a shower, whatever you do what you got to do and you i'm into the day i work best between like 6 and 8 a.m that's when i get like my power work done are you trying to sleep at the same time each night as well yeah yeah, yeah. i like to go to bed early yeah um mainly because i work best in the morning mm. like i think by the time it gets to like six o'clock i'm i'm mentally shutting down yep um so even like things like replying to the emails i just get like i try not to even look at it because i mm -hmm. i know i'm just gonna get frustrated about it i'm just I'm more of a morning person in terms of getting stuff done. So, but what I've, what I've found in that is that I think I can get sort of caught up in going through the motions in terms of like, I will do, you know, um, gratitude journaling and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But sometimes what happens is it becomes too routine. And if I look back at like my last two weeks, I'm writing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm actually not even thinking about this. I'm just, just like, a program response. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm grateful for a roof over my head. You know, I'm yeah. not even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. It just becomes like um, just habit. Mm. So what I like to do Don't is cheat sheet looking at what you wrote yesterday. Yeah, so exactly. Fine. Just flicking <laughs> the pages. Um, so I like to, I like to change it up uh, and, and, you know, what that means for me is potentially it might just be working in a different place. So mm -hmm. I might get up at 5.45 and go, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be at the cafe at quarter past six and I'm going to change my scenery for the mm -hmm. next week. Yeah. Well, you know, three times this week, mm -hmm. um, which doesn't necessarily throw my whole routine out, but it just changes it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so things like that I find work really well for me to, because otherwise you get, you, you can get caught up in the funk of day after day, just ticking things off your list. Oh uh, yeah, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that. 
um, and you kind of get a little bit overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's days where you just like, what am I actually reevaluating your whole life? Yeah. Um, so. Oh man, I have one of those once a month. Though, yeah, once you, a month. You're just going good. so. Fuck, am I even doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, to be, for me being able to change up those little routines, just slightly, just to give you a little change in perspective mm-hmm. and perception, uh, is important without you know overthrowing your whole routine about what what you are what you're doing what your values are Mm. uh yeah so i find that really effective to be able to switch things up yeah brilliant i want to spend a bit of time today speaking about runly in particular and and a lot of the the back-end work that's gone into that and you know starting a a brand or you know a business from the ground up because i know a lot of the audience will be interested in that before we get to that, though, I'm interested with Athletic and you mentioned before, you know, November being the biggest sales month of the year for, for any, um, I guess, product-based business and, and most businesses in general. Mm-hmm. How has your view of, um, I guess, what you do in terms of like marketing and sales-wise um, with Athletic and changed over the years? Uh, look, funda- if it has at all. Yeah, fundamentally, it's, it's much the same. So... Uh yeah, I think my my skills are in building brands. Yeah. Um, but that's very generic and very kind of overarching. I think, you know, if you if you get down to it, you know, I think I'm I'm good at pinpointing opportunities, mm-hmm. um, developing products, which I've done continually, uh, and then sort of the the paid marketing side as well. So Meta is obviously a big one. Um, so trying to drive that that revenue through the brands. So, yeah, I think my, my kind of key role in that is, is at the moment is sort of paid media that hasn't sort of changed. Um, but yeah, taking that overarching look at the brand. So I, I kind of geek out a little bit in, in the numbers, you know, where are we driving revenue from? How much is it costing us? Um, are people coming back? Are they, are they buying again? Uh, you know, what's, what's the traffic like? Where are they coming from? What are they doing when they come here? So th- that sort of stuff is is kind of I suppose you would call it kind of like pure ecom kind of stuff. It's mm. yeah, it's it's really kind of it's a little bit geeky, but you know I love it because it tells you a lot. Um, yeah. I think once you understand how things are connected, uh, it becomes really interesting, and you can develop strategies from that. I think you know just talking about the you know the November Black Friday, uh, I think you know Shopify is. Shopify is basically the platform that a lot of most e-com stores run on. Mm-hmm. They're very public facing with their data. So they share a lot of data that happens. So essentially uh, this year, Black Friday sales across Shopify were up between, you know, it's not, it's not, it is difficult to measure. It depends which way you look at it, but between 15 and 25%, they were up. Right. But also, if you look at other studies outside of Shopify, uh, in terms of the cost of making that extra 15 to 25%, they say that costs to uh, the cost of sales, when you look at like acquisition, paid acquisition, they're they're up 15 to 20%. Right. So it kind of evens out a little bit. It does. It evens out a bit. And that's kind of the... um, you know, the market or, you know, the economy we're in at the moment or mm. the landscape, 
you know it's a lot of different factors so yeah it's an interesting time you know i think when we when we came out of covid yep. uh, or during covid was really good for consumer brands because that's you know people were a little bit bored they had nothing to do mm. let's let's go and buy uh, you know an Audi or something you know yeah. so i'm sitting at home you know that's what i'm going to do um and then we've we've come out of covid um culturally we've kind of changed a little bit adapted uh, you know, just even little things like the explosion of TikTok, yep. it changes kind of that, the landscape that we operate in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you thrive in like short form video. Yeah. I mean, that again, that's changed the game as well. So yeah. in the space of three years, or let's go back to, you know, 2019, between 2019 and now, it's totally different. It's a yeah. different game, but, you know, you've just got to keep adapting. And, you know, that's, mm. that's just, I mean, that's, you go back as long as business has been around, people have had to adapt to different changes. Yeah. With the paid advertising side of things, you know, even um, some conversations I've had with yourself uh, and Joe as well, The it seems like the trend has been that it's getting more and more difficult or the, the paid advertising is becoming a little less effective or it's starting to cost a little more to acquire a sale. Um, what have you noticed from paid advertising at the moment in terms of what's actually working and for someone who may be running paid ads at the moment within their business and they're starting to notice a trend that things aren't looking as good as what they were previously or not as effective is your like do you have any advice around whether you just kind of stick it out and keep playing around with it or when to look at kind of shifting where your focus is and where you're placing your money in terms of advertising yeah okay so i mean in terms of e-commerce, majority of spend is through Meta, so Facebook, yeah. Instagram, that sort of thing. That for me, that should still be the priority. Yes, there've been some changes in terms of like you would have heard about like the iOS changes and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yep. Tracking was was much more difficult, but you know there's apps like Triple Whale which make it so much more easier to track things now. So the bulk of you know, I'm talking about e-com here specifically, but the bulk of your ad spend should really be going through Meta mm-hmm. because it's tried and tested. There's a reason why so much money goes yeah. through Meta in yeah. terms of advertising. So that's the key thing in terms of the the costs uh, blowing out. Yes, like because it's it's more saturated. You know, each year it's going to be more saturated. So you know, potentially. Uh, that's going to lead to increased costs. You're going mm-hmm. to have to pay more to reach the same people yes. essentially. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about in terms of those costs going up. So the key thing I think is is working back and go, okay, what is the margin that we can, you know, what's your safety margin yep. in terms of what you can pay to acquire a customer? And once you know that number, and a lot of people don't know that number, but once you do know that number, you can really play with confidence because mm-hmm. you're like i can try this 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 um but i know that i've got to be within this number for us to be you know profitable, profitable or whatever your goal is so i think that would be the key thing understand what that number is you mm-hmm. know whether it's like you can work it out whichever way you want but it's got to be related to your margin uh and that's the key because you can if you're under that put more money in you know, you still under, yeah. put more money in. Yeah. Still under, put more money in. Um, you know, you go slightly over, all right, let's make some adjustments. What can we do? Mm. Do we need different types of creative? 
um, you know, can we use content creators to user create generated different content and stuff? User yeah. generated content, short form video, mm. what's working? Um, how do we create variations of that? So, look, I think if you're if you're looking over, you know, bird's eye view, it's, the process is actually quite simple in terms of paid media. Yeah, you know, you got to know your what your margins are, spend within that margin. And try and scale it. <laughs> I know you. Uh, I hope I don't want to give away all your secrets here, but I remember no, having a conversation with you a while back um, around Runley, and you were saying that you'd obviously been trying a number of different things from the ad side of things, and then you tried. I think it was user-generated content uh, randomly, and and kind of just mixed up how you were actually targeting or how you were targeting the ads, mm. and randomly saw a massive increase in sales by something that was probably not expected in terms of the ad set or how you were boosting it. Yeah, totally. Um, is that something that you try often just to see whether there's some things that are going to work that you wouldn't expect? Yeah. So, I mean, for context, so Runly is my running brand. So basically it's a running vest um, that you can put all your stuff in while you're running. Uh, and that, that actually launched it in 2021 and, you know, got... The reason it, it kind of kept going for, you know, 12, 18 months was because there was traction there. So I, I never, you know, I never wanted to kill it because I was like, people are buying this, but I just can't get that cut through. Mm. Um, which I think in itself, like I watched, you know, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I watched your video a couple of days ago about, you know, how you're uploading podcasts for mm. several years and then, it just at one point it just went boom and you know you saw this huge uptick mm. it's similar um you know to what you mentioned there in terms of you know the runly sales kind of doing a big uptick yeah um so there was always traction there but just couldn't get the formula right in terms of okay how what is the the means of scaling this mm -hmm. because i know people want this product yeah uh the product has like quite you know quite a good perceived value and it does provide value to the the consumers um so yeah it was it was just luck that i happened to try a few uh user generated videos sort of influencer short form videos uh in like a, a sort of like a real style if you will yeah. uh, and they just really hit so yeah essentially we went 12 18 months of just like just ticking basically mm -hmm. just surviving paying yeah. the bills and then around may yeah may 23 it just went boom and just been on an incremental climb fantastic yeah so i think there's you know that's obviously a good thing but then you have you know logistical issues different problems yeah you have different problems yeah for sure so we'll take a we'll take a couple of steps back there with Runley, you mentioned you started in 2021. And yeah. I think even on our last episode, we may have touched on it a little bit, but I know there's a lot of people that listen to the show that as as we've spoken about before, that are you know entrepreneurs or people who are looking at starting their own businesses or interested in e-commerce or just building a brand and a product. So uh, I'd love for you to share like when you're coming up with the concept of Runly initially or when you're putting together any brand, because I know you've done it many times over and over again and that's why you're so good at it. So from day one, when you're looking at launching a product, what are some of the things that you're actually taking into account in terms of like 
you've mentioned things like understanding how much it's going to cost to acquire a customer or, or yep. like all the other little costs that come with it that aren't just the, the cost price of the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just trying to figure out from the product side of things, like is there certain industries or certain um, styles of products that you think are going to be better than others in terms of where you're going to put your time and attention to? Yeah. I know it's a bit of a loaded question, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so it's, it, I mean, it's... Look, it's interesting with Runly. I I had when I launched Runly uh, twelve months before that, I had exited from uh, one of my first brands, Uncle Jack. So there was a bit of a it's like I was obviously working on Athletic as well. Mm. I was like, all right, what what other brands are we doing here? Because like you know I me, mean? it's not just going to be one thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I suppose the funny thing is. I launched two things. Runly was one, but Runly was like, all right, I kind of, that was less commercially minded. I was like, all right, I, cause I like, I carry like an EpiPen with me, like an asthma puffer and stuff. So I was like, I need to carry these things when I'm running. Let's make something that will help me do that. So that's what I did. And uh, I put a bit of capital in to these two brands that I was launching and put much, much more into the other one and thought much more about the strategy in that one. And that one flopped hard, just did not work for whatever reason, just like didn't even get the, any initial traction. Mm-hmm. Um, but Runly straight straight away got that traction. I was like, all right, this is what I've got to focus on. So I suppose there's a few things like for me, I, I like I just not, I, like you've got to have your core values, right? That, mm-hmm. you, that you make decisions on. Um, and for me, things like um, drop shipping, which is basically just like um, selling something that exists in like China, um, you sell it and then you contact that manufacturer or, you know, that business and say, hey, can you send one of them to the customer I just sold to? For me, that's just, it's just not, I don't get excited by that at all. It's not mm-hmm. really building a brand. It's yeah. just, you just, an online distributor for yeah. another product. Um, I just don't like the models where, you know, you're selling, you know, cheap products that are just going to end in landfill, you know, in high volume, that sort of stuff. I just, it doesn't interest me and it doesn't align with my values. So uh, I, I like to build brands with value that I can resonate with mm-hmm. in terms of like when you're coming out with opportunities. Um, it's not just, for me, it's not just about the, you know, capitalistic opportunity that exists. It's got to align with with what I want to do and what I believe in. So, you know, I'm I'm a, you know, I'm not an elite runner, obviously, but I run. You know, I've always been a runner, so it's something that I know about a lot mm. already. So it's not like I'm just plucking this out of nowhere. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a consideration for me. I, you know, and that's that's going to be, and that's a personal thing. That's going to be different for everyone in terms of which avenue um, they go down. And I don't necessarily think you need to just start brands that are your passion. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be your everything. Yeah. And that's how I look at a lot of the, even the clients that I work with that have seen huge success and have built generational wealth through their businesses. And it's just, things that are just so basic and like necessities, you know, yep. like whether it's, I won't mention, I won't mention a few of my guests, but like certain things that like aren't exciting, they're not sexy. It's just, 
necessity yeah. products or whatever that people need and they just do it better than others and they're consistent with it and it, and it ends up building them massive amounts of wealth and obviously totally. it's not something that they're probably super fucking passionate about it might be like a bloody clothes hanger or something like that yeah. like i can't imagine that many people would be fucking too passionate about clothes hangers yeah. but but what what you do need to be passionate about is the process like i love online marketing and particularly when in relation to like you know, if the product is about like sport and lifestyle and that sort of thing, sure, that makes it sweeter. But, you know, if, if I was going to start a business that's, um, you know, primarily relying on, on making sales calls, it's like I, I would dread that. I would wake up at 5.45 every morning and just have anxiety. Um, so you've got you've to love that process that the brand or the business is about whether it is media buying, mm -hmm. Facebook ads, developing products, or is it, you know, distribution? Is it wholesale? Um, mm. Do you, like, is it going to be meeting people and setting up meetings and all that kind of thing, go, driving around, going to different stores and like that really excites a lot of people. Yeah. It doesn't excite me a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's obviously part of it as well. Loving the process behind it. From your experience or um, from people that you've spoken to or what you've observed, are there certain things that are quite common that people are not putting thought to once they've, when we're talking about e-commerce sales with products, right? Again, whether it be simple shit like cost of uh, shipping or postage or, or yeah. all the other little costs that come in come into it so that initially they're thinking, you know, these margins are quite good or... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, is there certain stuff that you see that's quite common that people just neglect or don't tend to put much thought to? Uh, I I would love to to see the books of a lot of brands, like because I think my you know, and this is this I don't have any data to back this up, but I think a lot of brands would run on really small margins, relying on high volume, mm. and that's something that uh makes me anxious in terms of just that constant pressure pressure of having to just move move more stock move more stock at at small margins um you know and we, we were talking about this before as well in terms of you know being able to to add value and um you know look th this all comes down to do you have a product that someone wants mm -hmm. is it valuable enough for someone to pay x amount uh, yeah. in terms of margin are you adding enough value to the product or the branding or whatever it is the customer experience is really important as well that's the key thing that's the key thing and so with a brand like runly what work goes into you building uh i guess a community or adding value um to the brand and to the customers to make sure that let's say one day Meta's down and the ads yeah. aren't working to make sure that you've still got customers that are coming back to, to mm. purchase your product or yeah. the word of mouth is that effective that people are coming to purchase your product without having to rely so heavily on on paid advertising. Yeah. So, yeah, so obviously, I mean, community is kind of a bit of a buzzword <laughs> yeah. in the last couple of years, but it, it is key in terms of getting people to be excited about your brand not just the product like yeah you want to open the package when you get it you want mm -hmm. to be excited about it but ideally you want people to be more excited about the overall experience that what 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 you're building essentially you know runly um you know running community you know mm. running club goes yeah. hand in hand 
Um, so yeah, I mean, to your point, to your question, building an email database is obviously key. Mm. I mean, that's that's probably you know e-commerce or marketing 101, having a, a list of people that you can talk to. Yeah, and, and that doesn't have to be a purely uh, sales thing. Like obviously, we're coming off Black Friday, Cyber Monday, like. My inbox was absolutely crammed. I'm sure yours was too. Yeah. We just like sale, 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 sale. Um, but there's real opportunity for brands to build a personal connection yep. with their audience, which I'm a big advocate for. Like with Runly, I send out a weekly email from me. It's mm-hmm. been like, hey, you know, this is what's happening at the moment. This is what's happening this week. And I, I'm really honest about it. I'll be like, you know, I've had three sleepless nights this week. They've got you know, stock just can't, we can't get it in, mm-hmm. you know, it's sitting out on the cargo ship. There's no space in the docks for us to unload, you know, and I'll be honest about that. I think you wouldn't see a lot of brands talk about that. Full transparency Full and vulnerability. Transparency. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And people love it because yeah. they're like, oh, you know, I get so many email replies as being like, you know, that's, oh, that's so awesome that you, you can share that. Really love that. Yeah. Or, you know, really appreciate your honesty on that. Um, and I think that's important as well in, in, you know, this era of transparencies, you know, just being honest with the customer. I think people see through that as well, mm. you know, anything that's not particularly genuine. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's content, um, brand messaging, you know, um, visual aesthetics as well. Yeah. Just having that sense of authenticity. Because we, we were chatting before uh, we recorded today uh, about a few um, business things and the conversation was around like uh, when, you know, building a business, whatever, when you're in the business too much, it then becomes difficult to then shift to working on the business and, and making changes from that regard. When you look at someone like, when I look at something like UFC, right? Mm-hmm. And how how much Dana White is is in the business, and in terms of like, and I think that's part of the reason why it continues to grow and do so well. But then, when you think of a brand like Runley that you're building at the moment, and you said you know you're sending out the emails, it's personally from you, and and people know that you're you're the one running the show. Yeah. How do you find like? Is there a fine line between getting to a point where you found yourself too far in the business that is reliant on you? like you being the face of it or you you being in it too much so that when you want to step away, you have like a bit of a, a worry or a fear that that's actually going to have a negative effect on the community and the business. Yeah. I mean, there's, look, there's probably people more qualified to talk about that than me, but um, yeah, having built a few brands where we've been able to get good people around the brand, I think that's key where, you have trust in someone to be able to to take over certain roles that mm-hmm. you would have done previously. Um, but in terms of like, I, I still think even with, you know, for example, the weekly email, uh, even if there was, I was not doing anything in the online marketing, in product development, in, you know, the customer experience side, that would cost me an hour a week to do that. Mm-hmm. And it would add or maintain brand authenticity. Yeah. It's a small price to pay. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of adding people, adding processes, adding frameworks, really important because otherwise, you know, the business can, 
you know, be only as big as the time that mm. you put into it, which we were talking about before. So, you know, I think that's that's key. And I look, uh, it's an idea in terms of like building out frameworks for me. You know, in based on what I do in terms of starting brands that can be repeated in a way mm. and that's like i've been repeatable thinking, process repeatable process and i've been thinking about that for 10 years like you know and obviously frameworks change they yes. have to change yeah but they should fundamentally be able to remain the same over mm. a period of time mm. but, you know you know if it's if someone leaves the company and someone else comes in yeah there's going to be an adjustment time but if you have those processes in place um you know we had things that previous brand we called it like you know brand name systems and it was just like this full um library of processes yeah. like every anything you wanted to do someone had probably written how to do it already that process yeah yeah which is obviously so important like if someone comes in and or they they've got to step up for someone else and like you know how do i do that you literally go onto the framework and there's probably already something there mm. that will tell you how to do it. So that's key. That's, I mean, that's just like, that's any business scaling yeah. is building out those processes. When we had uh, Kerwin Ray on earlier in the week, he said one of the, the number one questions that he gets people to think about before they look to scale their business is what lifestyle, like what lifestyle do I want to live? Yeah. As a result of scaling the business. Yeah, yeah. So... When you think about, like when I look at you and correct me if I'm wrong, when I look at you at the moment, I feel like you just love this shit, right? Mm. Like you're, you're more than happy to be in the trenches doing the work and, and you love the, the building of the business and being part of it. At some stage, I'm assuming down the track, years down the track, that's probably going to change in terms mm. of how much time you want to be putting towards being in and working on the business every single week. So when you're working on a brand like Runley or Athletican or whatever it may be in the future as well. Like, mm -hmm. is that something you put thought to in terms of like time horizons of, of when scaling that business, what's, what it's going to require of, of you from your week to actually keep living like the lifestyle that you want to live? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's obviously a consideration. I mean, I have like an idea in my head in terms of what the ideal scenario would be in five, 10 years. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying more so I'm trying to have that long-term vision or long-term thinking. Um, but I did watch that, uh, that clip. Um, and I remember thinking at the time and it's something I've thought over the last three years is like the hardest thing is to just get traction. Like you can try three, four, five things and never get traction. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's like the key thing. Can I get traction? Like when I'm starting something, I'm not worried about what my lifestyle is going to look in five years because you don't have that that luxury of doing that. Yeah. So it's obviously obviously once you start thinking about those things, you're probably already in a in a fairly um, sort of privileged position where you have got traction on something, right? And you do have the luxury to think about, oh well, you know, how's what's my you know work life balance going to look like and, and mm. all that kind of stuff, which is you know doesn't particularly you know exist there's no hr exist. department yeah, yeah. for resource uh, for entrepreneurs um making sure you've got work-life balance but you know uh, yeah uh, when i saw that clip that's that was my first reaction was was probably if you're in a position where you've got traction um you're you're doing pretty well mm -hmm. right 
if you've got a business that's that's off the ground, um, being able to make those decisions and you know I've been, I have been fortunate enough to think about those decisions previously um, in terms of how involved do I want to be in this. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do I want my role to look like? Do I step back, put someone in that position? Do I want to feel so, you know, in terms of like paid uh, media or, mm. or media buying, do I want someone else to do that? And I want to step back. Do I just want to focus on product development? Uh, do I only want to work, you know, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. every day? You know, yeah. whatever it is, yeah. you know, to be able to think about those things, you're, you're probably doing a few things right. So, I mean, yeah. that's my view on it. I think, you know, uh, the hardest thing is just getting traction. Yeah, for sure. And so with the traction that you've got at the moment, mm-hmm. where are you at with Runly now in terms of what the next phases are or where is your focus at the moment on t- in terms of how you can continue to build this? Yeah, I mean, my look, I think if I had to sum it up really briefly, I think the business will at least double next year because it didn't really kick off till May this year. Uh Key is going to be developing new products uh, for the market, for that particular market, running market, uh, spending more resources into marketing, mm-hmm. creating better customer experiences, building out the community, which is going to be key. Uh, I've got a goal to get to like 15 running events next year. Fantastic. Which is, um, you know, I think it's going to be... <laughs> difficult logistically yeah. yeah um because often you know these sort of events are not just urban it's mm. obviously um out in the mountains and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> that would be challenging but i think that would be fun because i mean like recently last sort of 18 months i just all i've been telling people is i think if you're gonna start something start a practical brand Practical brand. Practical brand. So things like, you know, you're talking about, I think, commodities before, things that people are already buying, Mm. um, things that people need, particularly in this economy. I think, you know, I think it'd be really difficult to, not impossible, certainly not impossible, obviously, but more difficult now to start things like clothing brands and that sort of thing where it's more of like a, you know, things that you kind of want. It's not like you don't really it's not need it. It's not a necessity it. or something. It's not a necessity, yeah. So obviously things like, you know, running accessories, people are doing that all the time. I need to carry something while I'm running. I need to carry water when mm-hmm. I'm out in the mountains. You know, I need yeah. to. Like otherwise I can't do it. Mm. Um, so it's obviously an advantage in a mm-hmm. product like that. You know, obviously people going to the gym, they need things like supplements. They're already taking them. How can you capitalize on that? Um, you know, other like whatever it is, just things that people are already doing um, that you can not, not, I don't think tap into is the right word, but just understanding is this something that I am going to need to brand and really convince people to buy like a t-shirt, mm. you know, like I'm going to have to do a lot of selling on this. Like I'm probably going to have to use, I'm probably going to need connections with like influencers yeah. to post the product, make it like really cool, which is difficult to do it. Like yeah. even in, in prime social media time, it's mm-hmm. difficult to do. But I would, I would sort of, maybe it's just me getting older, but I would kind of shift my thinking to, could this product sell on, say an Amazon, could I, is someone searching for this on, on Amazon? Would they buy it on Mm. Amazon? 
So people obviously they search for running vests. Yeah. On Amazon. Are you selling like, on Amazon at the moment? No, but it's just, yeah. But it's the mindset of like, yes. would someone be yep. searching? Yeah. Um, I think it would be difficult for us to compete on price. Okay. On marketplaces, because mm-hmm. obviously, um, Amazon's actually a little bit different in the US. I think where they do have more brand discovery. I think it's still early days in Australia. Yeah. yeah probably a little bit more price driven once a product starts to blow up so let's say the uh with runly at the moment how do you deal with the temptation i guess you could call it of adding completely different products and trying to expand really quickly because mm. you're getting some excitement around one product doing well yeah or do you just shift the focus back to just continuing to do what you're already doing better because i feel like you know we've touched on in this episode even how you and i um in particular are the type of people who always want to be doing something and there's always something new that you can put your hand to and you're always mm-hmm. kind of doing a few different things at once. But how important is it within a business, particularly early days, to actually just fixate on doing, you know, one or a few things extremely well before trying to expand out into a number of different SKUs if it's an e-commerce product or... Yeah. Yeah, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, it's definitely it's super important because like, otherwise you're going to spread yourself too thin mm. just in terms of like your market essentially like you know with runly if we if next next week we released you know cycling gear and then the next week we released ridley ridley yeah you know i've already thought about it yeah um but you know then we released you know swimming goggles and then you know maybe one day that's the brand's big enough to be able to do that but Right now, we would lose all momentum. Yeah. Because we have great momentum through uh, being a running product, having a running brand, and building a running community. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm like, guys, go buy these swimming goggles, yeah, yeah, or like, you know, <laughs> these snorkeling sets. And be like, what? Like, so it makes no sense from a brand perspective. You've got more capital tied up in um, different products that potentially aren't going to sell mm-hmm. you know i think it always comes down to the 80 20 rule in terms of you know like your 20 your 80 percent is going to be like 20 percent god I've, I've stuffed that up but you know i've tried to nail this, this yeah. saying a few times so. yeah it's not an easy one but yeah, anyway 20 yeah. percent of your products are going to be make up most of your sales yes yeah so with that in mind there's no need really to really expand out yeah. the range too quickly or too aggressively um, but yeah, you obviously have to fight those temptations because you're like, oh, I could sell this. Oh, I could mm. sell this. People would definitely buy that. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's a that's a constant battle. I'm sure you've put a thought to like running glasses and shit like that as well totally. to expand out <laughs> your catalog. Yeah, I had this. Uh, this is off topic a little bit. But the other day, you know how Hormozzi obviously wears these nose strips. Yeah, sure. It's an absolute given that he just starts a, a nose strip business and calls it Hornozzi. You reckon? That's a good one. Yeah. We, I actually sent it to him a while back. Oh, did you? Yeah. I, was yeah. Say. Oh, you, uh, I think we've had a chat about this, but you saw my absolute bag fumble with Hormozzi? No. You didn't see it? No. So in the last 12 yes. to 18 months. I saw it you did? Gone, yes. Yeah. So yeah. for the audience, the last 12 to 18 months, I've probably reached out to Hormozzi like once every couple of months, I reckon, just touch base and see if I can... <laughs> get him on the pod um, and he's usually pretty good at getting back to me and just basically saying like, nah, not the <laughs> right time pretty much. Um, and then the other day I was just scrolling through the DM and went all the way to the top and in 2020, I sent him a message. 
asking him to come on the podcast and, I, and I'm pretty sure by memory at the time he had probably like 10,000 followers and he responded and he's like, yeah, would be happy to. And then I didn't respond for 12 months. I didn't see his, his response and I didn't look at it for 12 months and the next message I sent to him was another request to get him on and since then it's been like, fuck off, mate. Nah. <laughs> Absolute bag fumble. I couldn't believe it. Absolutely filthy. You've got to have those stories though in your kit bag. They're good ones. Yeah. Character building. Absolutely shattered. Um, have you, I, I'm interested to hear, have you used AI much within the businesses that you're running at the moment? Yeah, bits and pieces. Uh, in terms of like, for me, probably the main use is just like article building. Um, mainly for like SEO purposes. I, you know, I'm, I think I'm handy with the pen, so I'm fairly good writer um, and I enjoy it. Mm. So I think I can bring out personality in certain aspects when I just write it myself. In terms of like, you know, I'm talking about like chat GPT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, more more so for like generic article bits and bobs and yeah. I can fill some gaps and mm-hmm. but you still gotta tweak it, right? Like yeah, you yeah. can't just plug in yeah, yeah, you know yeah. something and go, yeah, okay. submit, done. Mm. Um but beyond that, not not too much. Nothing like not too many tools. Not not like nothing particularly sexy at the moment. I think it's still pretty raw from an e commerce perspective. Um there are like the the tools are starting to emerge. Yep. And we'll certainly see it. You know, like I've come across tools where they're like, you know, we'll use AI to like find you a product, you know, build your website, you know, do your marketing, tell you which Facebook ads are going to work, um, you know, which sounds brilliant, but I'm sure it's got no sort of character or personality mm. behind it. Yeah. So I, I think it's still pretty raw. But what about you? Have you used much of it? Uh, look, I, I've used chat GPT a little bit. Um, oh, can I just say we um in our friendship little circle? Yes, we all went through like thirtieths this year. Yeah, yeah, and like each, each for everyone's birthday, we'd all just put in like you know whatever, and someone would have to get a card, and <laughs> you know you can imagine like thirty year old guys to their mates trying to be like sentimental, writing out a birthday yeah, yeah, yeah. card. <laughs> One of my mates used Chat GPT and wrote this huge long card. It was so funny. <laughs> Great use of uh, AI, I think. That's gold. I um, <laughs> I haven't used it for anything major, I would say. I'd say like, um, look, sometimes even, to be honest, like doing research on certain topics or even certain guests that I may not have a, a great deal of background info on, I'll just like literally just get a summary of some of the stuff they've done and go through that. But um, I've used it as a little bit of a, uh, I guess a backbone for some certain emails, I guess, but, but not really. I think a lot of, I don't know if I'm great at writing, but a lot of the writing that I do is very much like in my tone of voice. Yeah. And, and that's what and makes I, it good though. Yeah. Your, and like and that's it. Email. And similar to you, I kind of enjoy using it to give the message my way. So I, I don't use it a great deal, but I mean, I've played around with a few tools. Um, something that I'm actually interested in at the moment, and I'm sure you're all over it maybe, I don't know, but I've been chatting with PK a little bit and something that he's been playing around with at the moment is creating the the GPTs. So he, he's basically now, how do I explain this? 
he made a GPT the other day for basically he used an example of me of like my business right yeah so it pretty much turns into a google for your business basically like an automated faq fucking section right so you can go in um you can actually grab a lot of information like chat gpt would to to build out the back end of your gpt and you can put in your own articles or your own content or you can own questions and answers and whatnot and then it purely turns into like a gpt for you or your business so for me it was like he was typing in random you know things of like can i skip leg day and then the response would be like very much a response of how i would respond to it so i found that interesting um you know and he was just chatting about you know the potential there for a lot of businesses to potentially use that Mm -hmm. instead of having like people responding to to questions all the time Mm -hmm. from customers or even just as an faq page yeah i remember like it's funny because AI is so hot and everyone's talking about it. But like, you know, those sort of things, you know, have also been around for a long time as well. Like the support mm. portals, like, yes, now they're, they're getting a lot more advanced. Yeah, but yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I think I was on like Qantas or something the other day and I thought I was talking to someone. <laughs> but it was obviously, it was like an AI bot. Um, but like, obviously, you, you type a question in the, the live chat and they're like, all right, this is what this guy... This is where he wants to go. He know they know. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, here's the click on this link, and this is have all the information you need on, you know, whatever, or you know, canceling flights or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously, I mean, the technology is already there in some respects, but it's going to get more advanced. And you know, I, I don't know. I think I've sounded started to sound a bit old a couple of times on this podcast, but. You know, with that example where the AI is like creating your brand for you, mm. finding a product, um, you know, I, I don't, I tend not to like that stuff just because I think in that scenario, um, we're just like, it's it's more or less just like, hey, here's an opportunity where you can make a quick dollar. To do nothing. For something that you yeah. don't care about, which for a product that's probably going to end up in landfill. So that's where I, I don't like it. There's no intention mm. behind it. Um, I, I think at the moment as well with with AI, obviously it's just like <clears throat> relatively new, and there's it's just a lot of a a lot of fads are going to continue to pop up mm. um, with AI, and to me it just almost is just like a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. As well, it's yeah. kind of just like. There's just so much fucking different shit coming out. It's like I, I don't even know where what to try. Yeah. Um. Even you go on Twitter or fucking X, whatever you want to call it now, and there's just a million different like uh, creators that are that are creating copy around like these totally. are the the five yeah. AI tools that I use to create X Y Z blah blah blah. So yeah, I don't know where I was going with that answer, but kind of one of the last questions I had for you was what are like where do you see the biggest opportunities at the moment in terms of business? And I kind of want to ask, I wanted to ask you about, I wanted to ask you that question um, in terms of content as well. Okay. So in terms of like content business or using content like within? Using content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think... Obviously, we've gone through an era of short-form content has been massive. And mm. that's, I think it's, that's still going to be a big thing in 2024. I think if, I'm look, if I've got my strategic lens on, I'm looking at 
short form video as like a top of funnel exercise. So you're talking about like reaching a, a cold audience. Um, so with obviously with social media now, algorithms have changed. You can't, I mean, you don't even reach your own followers anymore. Mm. Yeah. So it's wild. Yeah. So, you know, your static posts really, they're not going to reach many people. Mm. Um, so the way I see short form video is really being able to um, fill your funnel, so to speak. So if you can, and you're a fantastic example of this, someone who's constantly posting um, short form video content, engaging short form video, you're exposing your content, your business, your profile to new people every mm. single day. New people are seeing your content and the beautiful thing about Meta is it knows everyone who's watched your content. So yeah, from my strategic perspective, we're able to then target those people with specific types of uh, ad content. Mm. So if someone like, you can even go as deep as targeting people who watch specific videos. Right. So if you put out a series on, um, I don't know, how to take creatine effectively. I don't know. How to get big calves. How to get massive calves. And it's a six-part series and you target everyone who watched those six videos. Um, you target them with really specific content, right? So maybe it's a um, it's another article. It's like click this article. I've summarized everything you need to know. They click the article. The bottom of the article is enter your email. I'm going to send you a weekly email about how to get those calves absolutely popping. Yeah. And then they, they go through that email sequence and then maybe at the end of it, you're, you're offering a course yeah. for, you know, a thousand bucks to get huge cars, mm. follow my training program. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've just come up with a new business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that, that's, that's I actually have to figure out that, that equation first because <laughs> I have not nailed it yet. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got yeah. a few other things we could use first. Yeah, yeah. So maybe yeah. a few years down the track, I could do the calves one. Yeah, you reckon? Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah been 30 years and i still have you neglected or just yet. genetically that is not oh i mean out. like to be fair they're not the worst calves i've seen i've seen worse calves than mine but yeah. i wouldn't say it'd be something that someone would like go, oh fuck he's yeah, got yeah. big calves you know yeah i didn't think we'd end the podcast on this <laughs> neither did i it wasn't my intention yeah um but yeah no i agree that's the interesting way to think of it. i haven't really ever thought of it like that from in terms of yeah, when you can get quite frustrated sometimes putting out a lot of consistent content and not getting great engagement mm -hmm. on them. But at the same time, as you said, collectively, the data in the back end is building up collectively over time. Yeah. It's compounding, isn't it? And I think when you do want to utilize that. Yeah, I mean, your, your scenario, um, I use flywheel a lot, but you, you, like your personal brand has a huge flywheel in terms of, everything when you post something on your account like short form video about how to grow your calves um, it all kind of comes back full circle so mm. you've got a suite of different offerings that people can subscribe to or um, be interested in mm -hmm. you know for me i like my personal sort of brand i have gone in waves about po in, in posting content mm -hmm. and sometimes i get really into it but I don't have like my personal fly. Uh, there's nothing really attached to my personal flywheel in terms of like, okay, I don't have a huge purpose for posting right now. Like okay. I need that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. purpose for me to be, because yeah. like, as you know, like 
this is a massive commitment to be able to create such content yeah. every day, basically mm. you need to be posting. Um, so I think that's the key thing is having like a, a why, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Like what's the end result of this? Yeah. You know, I think coming back to your point around the opportunities in terms of content is understanding why you're going to do it. Cause there's no point putting all the effort into creating content. If you, even if it's a two year, three year goal, oh, I want to get to this point. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to build an email list of 10,000 people who want to grow their calves or 10,000 people who want to start an, an e-commerce business, you know, and that's a viable thing for me, but it's, I don't have a, like, and I'm a, a very strategic person, I would say, I don't have that, that vision in my head right now for that to occur. So okay, yeah. there's a lot of effort that goes into creating content. So unless you have that outcome, I don't like, I think just sit on it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is a strange thing for me to be saying. So I'm usually like, I'll oh, just try it and see yeah, what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's a huge commitment creating content. But I think if you can do it strategically with something, an output in mind, super effective, and it works into your entire business strategy. Are you at the moment offering, like on the topic of personal brand, yeah. are you doing any form of like consulting, coaching, building out any courses on the back end for people who have you know, followed your journey or consume content like this online who, who want to, I guess, get inside your brain a little more? Look, not nothing structured. Um, but this earlier this year for like probably a good three, four months, I was posting like yeah a lot of content, like one to two videos a day. Mm. And I don't know, it's very time consuming, but... Uh, yeah, again, I, I kind of it fizzled out because I didn't really have an, an output for that. But uh, yeah, I got a lot of, it's interesting and I'm sure this is the case for you, but had a lot of people DM me being yeah. like, hey, do you, do you have a, a course or do you have like, do you do coaching, mentoring, one-on-one? -on -one? Mm. At the time I was like, no, nah, not really. I'll like, yeah, I'll get your details. I'll let you know if I ever do, yeah. <laughs> basically. But I mean, I think, I think the beauty of that is like that's the fucking best case scenario right it's like because yeah. you see so many people on the opposite end of the spectrum selling shit with mm -hmm. no track record to back it up and it's like mm -hmm. as you said even when we're talking about products in e-commerce it's like you've got some people are going to have to push really fucking hard to just to try and sell what they're 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 trying to get rid of or what they're trying to sell on the other hand you've got when you've got this high demand of people who have seen your track record or have consumed content or have taken value from your content then it's a pretty fucking good position to be in when you do eventually decide to add you know an offering or something that you think is of value um you've got a bunch of fucking people that are, are ready to just hand you their credit card totally you got heaps of people in your funnel and yeah i'll say it again but having that flywheel where everything connects is is magic so i think you've really built that flywheel really well where things are so connected so i think that's that's really powerful and i think you know i think a lot of people listening can take a lot out of just in a way studying your empire if you will in terms of Okay, very specific category, uh, a number of different sort of services are offering um, a lot of like, you know, you've got your social media content, you've got your, your newsletter goes out every week, um, different types of content that people can relate to and people relate mm. to it differently, you know. Um, you know, my mum's not going to be seeing your Instagram content, but she would definitely read like, 
your weekly email. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got peop- different types of people who are going to see the different types of content, different offerings. So like for me, obviously, the obvious one would be like creating a flywheel around e-commerce. But, you know, my business don't necessarily, my brand, sorry, don't necessarily fall into that flywheel. Mm. Like if you fall into my personal flywheel, doesn't mean you're going to go and buy a running vest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it yeah. is a little bit different, but I think people can think about that in terms of when they're creating their content. How can I make everything work together? Work together. Yeah. Awesome, man. That's a, that's a bloody good spot to, to finish up. Um, as always, I love catching up and, and always take so much value from it. I'm sure the audience has as well, man. But I dare say you'll be back in again at some point, yeah, yeah. some point in the near future, yeah. hopefully. When someone um, else cancels, I'll be in. Yeah. <laughs> and guys, if you do want to sign up for that, um, you know, Bigger Calves course, the, there will be a <laughs> an email sign up in the show notes below. Um, but no, nah, I appreciate you coming in, man. Glad to see that yeah, you've seen a lot of success with everything as always. And um, I enjoy the content you put out. So if you want to get back to posting some more regular content, that'd be great. I'll do it just for you. Yeah, yeah. appreciate it, man. But thanks so much for coming on. And for those who have tuned into this episode, whether you're uh, listening to this or watching it, if you're taking some value today, firstly, make sure you go and give Robbie a follow. I'll have the links to his socials and everything in the show notes below, along with the Runly link. And of course, Athletican, which we talk about all the time. Um, but we'd love for you to grab a screenshot and share it on your socials, share the link with a friend. I actually just finished uh, yesterday running through like my Spotify wrap up on the fitness and lifestyle podcast over the past 10 months. It's actually 10 months. I was looking at this morning, uh, I'm a big fan of the rapper Russ and he posted on Twitter this morning that the Spotify wrap up is from Jan to the end of October. So it's not even 12 months. Anyway, um, uh, I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported the show over the past 12 or 10 months. Um, We had some really cool stats. It was a a large percent of growth in terms of streams, in terms of uh, people who were kind of like actually subscribed to the podcast as well. Uh, But one of the coolest ones was over 22,000 of you had the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast in your top 10 podcasts. Um, and I think about 12,500 had it as number one, which is epic. So a massive thank you to everyone who has been listening to the show. Uh, we've got so much more value coming up towards the end of this year and, of course, into the new year as well in 2024, um, episode 500 right around the corner. Um, but, yeah, Robbie, thanks for coming in today, man. I appreciate it and I'm looking forward to to catching up again soon. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate you and uh, it's great to come on and, and chat shop with you. Fuck yeah. Thanks guys. Have a great day.